This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, toward the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house! Ball poked away by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. The one-handed catch. Hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34. It. And it is over. Zero losses. Zero doubts. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, and welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Howes, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week, twice a week. Now also in our standard weekly previews and our post-game coverage on Twitter spaces. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at Pod, as well as follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. And also make sure to check out Steve at UC Uniforms for all the up-to-date tracker info. This week, we are in a little bit of a uh, post-chaotic air. Um, <laughs> college football had a little bit of a crazy weekend. Um, and we're going to jump right into the Bearcats after this, but we just had to mention Sunbelt, Funbelt, man. This was a crazy weekend. Uh, three huge victories in App State over AM on the road, Marshall beating Notre Dame in South Bend, and Georgia Southern getting Scott Frost f- fired officially long overdue after beating Nebraska in Nebraska. In total, $4.2 million were paid out to the Sunbelt this weekend by Power 5 programs. And all of those power five programs lost Steve possibly hot take here. The Sun Belt is already taking that power six program slot. The American has held for years when the Bearcat Cougar night ship sails off into the big 12. I think it's up for grabs. Uh, well, definitely. First, uh, I think we should come up with a, a new, you know, the Drake song, Houston, Atlanta, Vegas. We got to come up with oh, a yeah. <laughs> Houston Natty Provo or something. Uh, Houston Natty Ovo, <laughs> like something like that for the three teams that are, um, well, Orlando. We don't have to include yeah, them. But, screw them. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, definitely. Um, I think uh, Mr. Stephen Godfrey called it best himself. He said it's the Sun Beast this week. Yes. And it's like, oh, yeah gives those programs a validation and dude like what was your most favorite one because like to me it was funny to just see nebraska be the third most exciting one after out of all those other ones i mean i think i think in most fun definitely has to be app state just based on the like the post-game celebration that they had people were jumping into lakes people were storming the streets in Boone. And of course that result ended up getting them game day, similarly to how we got game day last year. That's going to be huge for that city. And I think that's awesome for them. And that's a huge win after app state, um, you know, kind of took the fall to North Carolina and what was perhaps the most exciting football game of the year then follows it up the next week. So I think that was huge. Um, but also Georgia Southern man, just knocking out Marshall or sorry, knocking out uh, Nebraska and then Marshall, of course, like, man, it's, it's a tough choice, but I got to say app state 
is definitely the most fun. Yeah, well, App State, I feel like theirs was the most nondescript one, too. They just kind of yeah. beat them. And, yeah. like, Texas A&M didn't really have any answers other than, like, a 94-yard uh, kickoff return for a touchdown. Like, that mm-hmm. was kind of it. And, like, Notre Dame throwing two pick sixes. And, like, I saw the gift today, <laughs> again, of the Marshall kid going into the end zone and doing, like, the fighting Irish pose. Yeah, like, yeah. it was just <laughs> incredible. No notes, 10 out of 10, would recommend yep. again. Um, a very enjoyable day. I would agree, though, too, that the Sun Belt is going to be a Sun Beast of the G5. Yep, I agree. And I, I think that's kind of my most interesting, um, interested area coming up next year is just to see how the American handles the loss of BYU, or sorry, of Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, um, as well as watching BYU sail into the Big 12 with them. Um, seeing how they're going to handle that, how the Mountain West and how, um, you know, of course the Mac is there exists, but you know, not really uh, <laughs> how these, how these conferences are really going to be able to handle sort of this transition. Um, and I think this is going to be really interesting to watch just because, you know, I, I think Memphis and SMU as good as they are, um, you know, Sunbelt's really making a making a push to be that sixth slot. And it'll be interesting too with this new college football format, uh playoff format in the coming years. Um, with that group of six uh winner, how is that going to be determined? And maybe is that going to be a regular fun fun belt group? Who knows? But um, uh, regardless, um, here's a couple of quick hits post Kennesaw. Just wanted to do a season catch-up. Who are the Bearcats statistical leaders? Again, this is a Bearcats podcast, so when we're back to the Cats, we're going to stay on the Cats for the rest of the time. Um, st- statistical leaders so far, uh, Ben Bryant, of course, in passing. Um, Chuck leading um, all the rushers with 110 rushing yards. Receiving, Tyler Scott is our current leader with 119 yards. Tackles might be a little bit off the radar for some people. Maybe not, but Ivan Pace Jr., our dear old Miami transfer. The Coleraine boys showed out this weekend against Kennesaw with a lot of huge plays. Javon Hicks as well had an interception, which also uh, I believe leads a team. I don't think there's, uh, there may have been one other one, I think with Arkansas. I can't quite remember, um, but regardless, nobody's in the double, uh, nobody's in the twos or threes yet on that uh, statistical area. But regardless, um, I think the only other thing I wanted to cover before we get specifically into Miami um, is sort of this kind of conversation again about um, Ben Bryant, Evan Prater. I think, you know, uh, after Arkansas, the conversation felt a little more wide open. Now it feels a little bit more directional, uh, a bit more closed. So where do you think that puts us now? Um, you know, talking about Ben Bryant going forward for the rest of the season. You're muted. <laughs> Sorry, you can cut that out. Um, to me, it's really, that's what we're going to see um, this weekend is what we're going to see of, like the rest of the season. I do think, although Arkansas was uh, his kind of suspect corners, I do think that a lot of, they, they still are SEC corners, you know, maybe bottom of the barrel SEC, but they are still, they're still talented and you know ben bryant kind of made kennesaw state look very pedestrian and with how the rest of the schedule looks other than arkansas i think ben bryant will stay as the starter um and i don't know if people are upset by that i don't know if people are happy about that but to me i think he made the throws he needed to make on saturday i was able to watch a replay of the game uh shout out to espn plus definitely a (laughs) plus for them um he made like a I mostly just 
made sure to like chart all the first half throws and there was only like maybe one throw which he could have done better on a lot of the throws were you know just put right there but corners made a good play on the ball so and then again that's kind of saw he had a clean pocket for most of the game um so i think i think ben's going to be able to be there because we've just got too much talent on the on the on the outside in the wide mm-hmm. receiver room to not neglect them with a guy like Evan Prater, who may not be as good of a passing quarterback. True. And he definitely made a lot of strides this week too. Um, just, you know, locking it in on a lot more of those deep balls, making sure that, um, you know, his receivers were getting hit in stride and not having to uh, make them overplay for anything. Um, so that was definitely good. Only thing I want to point out, uh, it's definitely a different, uh, Definitely in different levels of attempts and completions here, but Evan Prater does currently sit at a 234.6 passer rating, which is pretty insane um, compared to a 161, which is much more realistic uh, for, of course, Ben Bryant. Um, five intercept or five touchdowns this year to one interception. I think that's a pretty good start. Um, you know, he's got uh, three less interceptions than Joe Burrow had this weekend, but we're not going to talk about the Bengals because this is the Bearcats podcast, and that was miserable. Uh, maybe we can touch on that at the end, uh, but that was not fun to watch. Pass. <laughs> I'm not touching on that one big pass um anyways uh we're gonna get quick here to uh miami uh this is what this week is all about the battle for the bell uh bearcats currently sit at a streak of 16 long years in those 16 long years there's been a lot of things that have happened we're gonna go into those in a minute but um you know quick thoughts from you steve just going into this what are your you know biggest sort of questions um, for the Bearcats as to, you know, maybe some issues or maybe some things that you just want to see um, this week? Well, um, recently the Miami game has not been very competitive. Uh, the I don't know if you'd consider the 2018 game competitive, Justin, because um, it was 0-0 going into the fourth quarter before UC pulled away. Um, a dreadful game. Uh, <laughs> it rained literally. the It looked like an English soccer match. It rained the entire game. Yeah. Uh, um, so, but 2019, 2021, uh, pretty easy wins for the Bearcats in both games. And I think just the talent is at a, such a place now where uh, it should not be a problem for us. I don't want to get memed, um, but <laughs> I, I don't really see us having much trouble. Um, I want to see the defense perform well again, especially against uh, a team that's going to be starting a redshirt quarterback. Um, and then I kind of want the Bearcats to once again establish the run and then um, have their receivers make plays. And uh, I saw a stat actually about the Bengals that any 89% of the time they lined up on the center this week, they ran the ball. Uh, and like mm. half of the, that, those times it was like a sweep play uh, to the outside. So they were getting kind of predictable. So obviously yeah. I don't want Gino to do that, do the opposite of that. But um, <laughs> I would like to see what our, uh, what, Corey Kiner can keep doing for us and uh, Miles Montgomery mm-hmm. and uh, Charles McClelland. Uh, it looks like those three are going to be the main guys without um, with Ryan Montgomery being out for an unspecified amount of time. But yep. um, man, like a guy like Tyler Scott, I want to see him like continue to develop. Same with Will Pauling. Will Pauling has been another bright spot. I like we've had a couple, a run of a couple like freshman receivers really stepping up yeah. and showing out like well, earlier in their careers. And um, speaking to, uh, to the, um, point of Will Pauling. Um, I did want to mention that uh, Fickles has officially declared that um, Malik Van suffered a torn pec against Kennesaw um, and will be having 
probably season ending injury um, as well as Will Pauling likely yeah. missing a couple weeks uh, with an MCL surgery or injury. Thank you to Justin Williams for that information. Um, yep. But yes. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely, you know, going to be interesting. We've got a lot of weapons. We just got to see what all we can use. Um, and I think the Bearcats showed last week that <laughs> there's plenty of options there um, and plenty, uh, plenty deep of a bucket to choose from. Um, and the nice thing is too, is that you still got two safety nights at tight end that are yep. just like wrecking <laughs> balls. Yeah. And like uh, Justin also pointed this out today too. All the guys that scored touchdowns on Saturday were Cincinnati kids. Like yep. um, there was, you know, Wiley, Taylor, Kiner, Prater. Um, and I forget who the other one was, but uh, well, um, I mean like Hicks and um, yeah. uh, Jabari Taylor, like all yeah. those kids you see <laughs> like Cincinnati, like, locals so yeah pretty pretty cool uh to have that i would i mentioned this too on the post game pod um just wanted to bring this up with you too because i think you you didn't get a chance to watch the full game um but or at least in in live but the fact that we had nearly two nearly three picture perfect defensive touchdowns from a scoop and score a pick six and very nearly getting the block kicked return for a touchdown. If we could have just been able to pick up the ball on that run. Um, that is like, I mean, bliss, man, you cannot get better than that. And I think the Bearcats, like, of course you're playing against Kennesaw. It's a lot different than playing against Arkansas, but, um, truly dominant in that game. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, the little bit step up in competition, not a whole lot. Miami, sorry, you're not getting any credit here, especially not this week um, to see how that happens. Uh, the only thing I wanted to point out uh, or add real quick too, before we um, dive into a little segment that I had here um, was I asked earlier today, um, just if anybody has any concerns about this Saturday's matchup and if so, what are they? Um, and really not much of anything. Uh, Kyle black said, no concerns. Think we should dominate them 42 to 10 would like to try and see if our kicker can make a kick. That's not a PAT to see if he can get some confidence back. I do agree with that. I think that's one thing that like, it, it seems like it happened last year. It seems like it's happened almost every year with Vic is like, you know, it's there's, there's confidence in the kicker until the kicker gives you reason to not have confidence. And then he does not give them another chance. Like it's you're there or you're not. And then like the amount of times that he'll go for like fourth and three or fourth and one or fourth and two, when you're, you know, five, 10 yards out of the red zone versus going for an easy three, when you're already up by God knows how many points, um, when you could just take the easy three, I think kind of goes to show that like, he just doesn't quite have the confidence in our kicking team, which can't blame him. Has it not been the most accurate over the past few years? Uh, but I do agree with that. I would like to see maybe if we can gain some confidence back there. And then uh, at Bearcat 23, UC said, how long does this bullshit vic victory bell thing last? Do we change it from every year to every five? What does the future of this UC dominated matchup look like? Um, that is an interesting question. I mean, I think this year, like every year since, you know, really this thing hit 10 has just kind of felt like, wow, do we really need to do this every, every year? Um, we talked about this in our off season or first off season pod um, of this year over the summer. Um, and just like the fact that it is a very much uh, it's a, it's very dominated in one direction and it does not seem like it's changing tides anytime soon. Um, 
I think the victory bell is about probably this year from just getting cemented into the foundation of Nippert stadium um, and not coming back out of there. So um, yeah, no. And I, I, Personally, I would agree. Maybe not every five. I think maybe every other year would still keep it interesting. Um, but I do agree that like Miami, again, to our point that we mentioned earlier in the off season, it's kind of interesting because if you have this every year, especially when you're in the big 12, we're going to want that sort of cupcake game that we can beat still might, you know, vie for a Mac championship here and there every once in a while makes us look a little bit better in non-conference. But again, it's not like we're playing a power five team or even like a mid tier G five team. I mean, Miami's really not even mid tier G five. So, I mean, they're at the lower end of that spectrum. I would rather play like a, a Liberty, something that's top of G five. When we get to the big 12, something that's a challenge, but not necessarily a given either, um, or an app state, you know, top of the, again, top of the group of five, a Marshall, like you're saying with these fun belt teams, I think that would be really interesting to see that instead of just the same old, same old with Miami. Um, Cause it is getting stale ultimately yeah. yeah definitely and um i think it's just one of those things too where if you notice there was a scheduling update for uh next year um uh, where uc was supposed to visit north carolina state uh, yep. next year but that, that series has been canceled because we're already playing pit and we're going to play nine conference games and we've already got i think we've i don't think we have an fcs opponent yet i haven't checked but um i well no i take that back i think we're playing eastern kentucky next year um mm. what well, either them or austin p um so it's we're gonna play an fcs team a g5 team and a p5 team every year and yeah. then we get into the nine conference games but yeah um i think it's just a matter of like like Miami is just not really treating this like a rivalry either. Like their coaching yep. staff sat out guys last time and they're basically just treating this like it's a, another like road by game that they're going to get killed in. So, yep. uh, and you know, there's, they had their chance to break the streak in 2017 and uh, Malik Clements uh, had something to say about that. Um, <laughs> I love that. I went to that game and I, I just, uh, in an otherwise not great year, that was a lot of fun to win that one. Um, yeah. So I think it's just also the fact that um, we, you know, we're not on the same level. We've uh, won everything. We're going to have, as long as everything holds on Saturday, you know, knock on wood, fingers crossed, um, we yeah. will have uh, sole possession of the rivalry uh, control. Like we will be winning the all-time series against yeah. Miami. So, and there's, for us, there's no reason to go to Jaeger stadium ever again. Um, yeah. No, no reason to ever go on the road to a G five team. Um, <laughs> once we get into P five play, maybe like, I don't know, maybe if Memphis wants to play us a home and right. home, but I don't want any of that either. Cause yeah. I don't like <laughs> Memphis and they always seem to ha have some BS that happens to them in their favor uh, yeah. at the Liberty bowl. So I, I don't really want that. Um, Memphis and is like, suspect as a new resident of Tennessee. Actually, I found that a lot of people in Nashville really don't like Memphis. <laughs> yeah, Memphis is kind of like the Cincinnati of Tennessee, apparently. But um, like they, <laughs> nobody likes them. So maybe um, let's not put yeah. these in the same category, Steve. Cincinnati yeah. and Memphis are very. <laughs> so, but to me, Justin, it's also that like if you just take the name and the trophy off of this rivalry, this is no different than playing like. Eastern Michigan, Central yeah. Michigan, Ball State, Toledo. Like, just replace it with another MAC team and play that game at home every year because some years you're only going to get four home games um, and you need a six home game. Like, you you can't yeah. be a P5 program that's playing only five 
home games right. if one of them isn't like a neutral site game. So, um, I mean, I, I sound like an elitist, but I've I've seen what the elitists talk like, Justin. Yeah. I'm, I'm practicing to become one of them. But to me, the Miami rivalry is that they don't even care about it. Like their students like only care about it when it's like at their campus, but mm-hmm. they don't they don't care about football. They're all Ohio State fans up there. So good riddance. True. Yeah. And honestly, um, I got to say this too. shout out to Miami. Um the Ivy league of the East West, whatever the Midwest, whatever they want to call themselves. Um, the only thing that they've ever done is produce coaches and Ben Roethlisberger. And we all know the stories behind those. So, and their uh, coach <laughs> now isn't even good. Like he's been yeah. in there for like eight years. Like usually if you're going to get poached, it's within four. So he's either a lifer or they're going to have to fire. It, so, yeah, I mean, LOL. I, I think, uh, uh, I think it was on the Andy Staples show. Um, Andy made a good point saying that uh, possibly the hardest job in all of college football would be to be a Mac coach, mainly because of your um, your inability to be able to recruit and be able to compete and have essentially the exact same marketing and branding as every other Mac team. Like there's no difference. Miami would like to be able to set themselves apart, but as results in the field show, you're no different than any other Mac school. And they're all just kind of sitting in the cesspool of, you know, self deflating, just bad football. <laughs> the other thing too, is that like Maction Tuesday night Maction is not going to last. Like it, yeah. I, I just don't see it because the, the appeal is going down. They don't really have the same talent they had. Like, 10, 15 years ago. And like just watching a game, like it's COVID all over again with no one in the stands is just like so depressing. And it's just a vehicle for them to talk about the college football playoff rankings every Tuesday night. And there just happens to be a a football game in the background. So um, I really don't like, unless there's another like PJ Fleck, Western Michigan type thing, I really don't see much mobility for the Mac and they're probably fine with that. Like they, they denied, they, they didn't add uh, middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky for this reason. They're like, no, we're good. Yeah. We're all right. (laughs) We don't want to compete. We just want (laughs) to exist. We want to exist, make our paycheck and not have anybody ask us any questions when we're not good. Yeah. Um, Uh, Justin real quick too. (laughs) I want to do this in the off season, but yeah, I think you could probably say the same for being in, an AAC head coach because if you think about all the guys that have moved on to different programs there's not a lot of them that have really succeeded like yeah and you think this is just from the time of the AAC not the Big East but right you think about like you know well Tommy Tuberville's a U.S. senator now but that's yeah. uh, but Justin Fuente got fired Mike Norvell's on the hot seat again Scott um, Frost gone <laughs> Scott Frost gone yeah. Um, yeah and then Willie Taggart got fired like he moved on and then got fired after leaving USF. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Heupel seems to be doing okay at Tennessee after leaving UCF, but like, you know, Philip Montgomery's not going anywhere. Willie Fritz isn't going anywhere. Like there's a, a like Jeff Scott, the USF head coach, Mike, Mike and oh, yeah. this year, like Navy Navy is bad dude Navy <laughs> is so bad um matt rule might get fired as the head coach of the well he doesn't really count he was the only good one really that worked out at baylor but um like manny diaz got fired even though he's yeah. a coach at temple for like a, a day um like uh jeff collins is about to get fired at georgia tech most likely um they temple fired their own head coach last year so it's been a bad run of mm-hmm. american t- uh, teams and head coaches and i'm kind of wondering if like that, like fickle would have been the only saving grace of that group. And I'm glad he's still here, of course, but yeah, um, I'm going to have to take a look at that and see like if they 
you know, if there's really something to that, like teams in this league just all play defense and <laughs> the other teams yeah. makes them look good and it makes the coaches look good. Because um, can we utilize Scott Frost real quick, Justin, then we'll get to our predictions. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> go, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Scott Frost, 16 and 31 at Nebraska, your home. Um, you you self-admittedly, uh, according to Danny Cannell of CBS Sports, self-admittedly said maybe I was too successful at UCF. So that's why I um, have stunk at Nebraska. Uh, <laughs> you got an extra year uh, to coach and a reduced buyout, and you were still so bad that you got the full buyout. They couldn't even wait three weeks to just <laughs> like pay you half. They paid you in full. Yeah, And uh, you ruined your reputation among an entire state of football people. Like there's no other football team in the state of Nebraska. That's, yep. that's it. And uh, you're never going to be able to go back there again. So uh, yeah. <laughs> Tough, tough for you, Scott Frost. May you, uh, you know, enjoy your buyout, but go buy a beach house. I think you're going to be fine. Join yeah. Nick Saban's staff, but man, yep. like the redemption team. <laughs> yeah, like the place dude, where all all coaches go to redeem their careers and then end up in a, a middle of the pack G five team. And once again, <laughs> he settled the 2017 UCF versus 2021 Cincinnati debate Absolutely. because. He would have been up two touchdowns on that 21 Cincinnati team uh, in the second half, kicked an onside kick. UC comes back and wins the game. So true. I, I'm just telling you what, what happened. I saw it with my own eyes. <laughs> Real quick before we jump into um, our predictions, I do want to mention a couple things, and then I have to give my quick segment on Miami because I made this especially for them, oh, Red Hawks sorry. fans. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, just saying, Miami comes into this game, um, not a lot to cheer for, sitting at one and one, and everything this season is going just about as expected. Um, started off with a big old 24 point loss to Kentucky. Um, one then the week after against FCS's uh, Robert Morris by 17. Um, the not a lot of cheer for here uh, would be their starting QB, Brett Gabbert, out along with their starting tight end and left tackle. So obviously some big gaps there offensively, um, which might make it difficult for them uh, going into this game. The spread is 21 and a half. So, and that is, that is, uh, I looked that up a while ago. I don't know if that is currently up to date, but regardless, the spread at the time, looking that up was 21 and a half. I would take the over there. Uh, <laughs> just considering Miami's offense and Bearcats offense last week. Um, ben Bryant did get the chance to play the Red Hawks last year um, while at Eastern Michigan um, and reached probably into his Bearcats pocket a little, knowing those plays that uh, he'll see against Miami and beat them 13 to 12. So this will be another matchup for Ben Bryant. Um, this one under the gun starting. So hopefully there will be zero issues there and we'll beat them by a million Miami fans, Red Hawk fans, Red Hawk nation, whatever small little piece of you there is. Yes. Red Hawk nation. Um, it's time to just give up. I have a quick, hopefully two minute rundown of what life has been like since the bear cats last gave up the bell. It has been a long 16 years. And in those 16 years, many things have happened. Here's what happened. And here we go. 
Mike D'Antonio was a head coach of the Bearcats in 2006 when the Red Mark. Hawks gave away the... Sorry, <laughs> Mark D'Antonio. I already get off track. Let's restart here. Mark D'Antonio was head coach rolling. of the Bearcats in 2006 when the Red Hawks gave away the bell for the last time. Since then, the Bearcats have had four head coaching changes from Brian Kelly, Butch Jones, Tommy Tuberville, and now Luke Fickle. The Bearcats have gone in full seasons, 135 and 59 in those years since. And of those 59 losses, Miami has not mustered even one win in their 16 showings against the Bearcats, making them also the highest played opponent in that time frame. Fact, check me on that later, offering the most chances compared to anyone else. Now for the fun stuff. The first generation iPhone was released in 2007. Seven years later, the Apple Watch was released. It has been eight years since the Apple Watch has been released. That all happened in that time frame. The iPod Touch, Nano, Shuffle, Classic, and updated models all released and promptly became defunct. The Hadron Collider was finished. George W. Bush was president. Four presidential terms have been initiated since. Osama bin Laden was assassinated. A U.S. ship was hijacked by Somali pirates. And U.S. Flight 1549 crash-landed into the Hudson River. And Tom Hanks had movie time or time to star in two movies about both of them. YouTube was a year old in 2006. Virtually two, 90% of social media, Snapchat, Instagram, Vine, rest in peace, TikTok, Pinterest, and more have been created since 2006. Four summer Olympics have been held in that time. Michael Phelps won all 28 of his Olympic medals and retired in that time frame. The United States BP Deepwater Horizon oil spill disaster happened. Fukushima nuclear power plant disaster happened in Japan. National, sorry, flying through these. NASA launches the Juno spacecraft in 2011, and it took six long years, but it made it to Jupiter. <laughs> the end of the Mayan calendar arrived, and no one died. Queen Elizabeth celebrates her diamond jubilee, and then also dies ten years later. <laughs> Three World Cups were held within a four com- forthcoming in November of this year. Snowden leaks highly classified NSA information, and everyone becomes aware of the presence. Uh, Amazon stock price grew and peaked at over fourteen thousand percent since October of two thousand six. Marvel becomes relevant and then completely dominates the theaters, releasing nine of the top thirty highest grossing movies, grossing movies of all time. Avatar also released in that time frame, which is, this is the highest grossing movie of all time. Seven Fast and Furious movies have been released. How the hell has that happened? Call of Duty releases seventeen games. The housing market crash and Great Recession of 2009. Michael Jackson died. Swine flu. H1N1 global pandemic. COVID-19 global pandemic, which also completely reshaped the understanding of the world and keeps everyone inside for almost two years. The second major global market crash in 2020. And most importantly of all, the Bearcats make the college football playoff in its eighth year of existence, which also started more than eight years after Miami last beat the Bearcats. Ultimately, the world has seen some insane things happen over the past handful of years. And in the birth of nearly 59 million Americans, not a single one of those babies has ever witnessed the Miami Red Hawks beat the Cincinnati Bearcats on a football field. That is all I have for you, Red Hawk fans. You suck. Yes, Justin, <laughs> that was beautiful. I five stars. Everyone should go give a five star rating for the pod <laughs> just for that reason. That was amazing. Um, <laughs> I I think Miami went zero and twelve in that time. Um, they also won a conference championship in that time, and then their coach left and uh, for Pitt and didn't even coach a game because he got fired for uh, DUI and uh, other bad guy stuff. Um, yep. So. It's been a few years for that Miami program too, and they storm back from an 0-6 start to go six and six and then promptly lose in their bowl game. So shout out to Miami. Uh <laughs> the one constant through all the years has been Miami taking a big old L to your Cincinnati Bearcats. So absolutely true. Justin, 10, 10 out of 10, no notes. I <laughs> I I love it. That was great. And the, wor- the worst part is, even through all of that, I couldn't even include all of these other major world events because so much has happened since the Red Hawks decided to be even decent enough to sneak away with a win against the Bearcats. So I wanted um, to add one quick point to that, too. Uh, yeah. USF is the only team we've played in every season 
other than mm. Miami because there was the COVID year where we didn't play the uh, Miami. Um, and uh, even USF has beaten the Bearcats at least once in that yep. span. So they were yeah. ranked number two one of those years. So yeah, <laughs> we think and USF it- is bad. Then we look at Miami. <laughs> no kidding. I mean, it's been. Uh... I just think that it's crazy that there's people that are nearly graduating high school now that have driver's licenses that have never witnessed and not even witnessed that have not been a, not even been alive for <laughs> Miami to beat the Bearcats. But regardless, even a thing in 2005, I mean, maybe through some obscure email chains, uh, <laughs> but it's likely that no one has ever uttered the words. Miami has uh, beat Cincinnati uh, on a podcast. Yeah, and so here, uh, I'm Ohio at least. Yeah, we we knock on our wood and we say our graces and make sure that. Excuse me. Oh goodness, make please sure please say Luke uh, Fickle, please. Yeah, yeah. please. Don't, this don't let this be the bad juju here. Um, <laughs> regardless, don't let the four Miami fans mean Mister Hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> regardless, um, it should be probably a pretty easy beatdown in Paul Brown Stadium. Um, I believe the last time the Bearcats played Miami and Paul Brown was that 2017 game, right? Or 2018, yeah. With the rain. So uh, we all know how that one went. Um, that was a fun and exciting game. So hopefully more of the same, but just a wider score margin. Um, with all that said, we do have our predictions for this week, and we will wrap up. We're going to try to do this in five minutes or less. All right. Uh, Steve, I'll let you take it away. Here we go. Okay. Four, uh, real quick. We had uh, four respondents uh, to our poll last week who both tied for first with 10 points each. We had Brad McNichol, Joe Kemper, uh, Jeff Lawson, and Chase Kendall. And uh, a couple of them got Josh Wiley right for the first touchdown of the game. Um, uh, My guy, uh, Chase Kendall, he got the exact amount of rushing yards that the Bearcats had, wow. 232. Um, wow. That is sack adjusted, but um, and then four people got the Kennesaw State score right of 10. Points. Okay. So shout out to those people. Uh, we're going to play again this week. So, yeah. Um, Justin, I don't think any helmets fell off either. So everyone lost that one. There was um, one. There was one that fell off. There was one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, all yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but everybody answered over. So uh, yeah. that doesn't help anybody <laughs> at all. Um, yeah. So everyone ends up with uh, all Actually, those people end up with 11 points. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Real quick. Once again, we're going to do the same thing we did last week. So I am going to say that the first person to score a Bearcat touchdown it's going to be Ben Bryant and they're going to do a little quarterback sneak with him. It's going to be like third and one on the one yard line. And we're going to show him, okay, Miami, we're, we, we showed up and we're going to just, just demolish you. And we're just going to steamroll you over and they're going to push Ben Bryant into the pile and he's going to score. So Ben Bryant, one yard rushing touchdown as the first touchdown of the game. Sounds good. Um, My man, uh, Javon Hicks was our pick, uh, our interception recipient this week. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, it would be lame to pick him. So I'm going to pick Arquan Bush again. Um, I, be- I do believe that Miami will try and test the corners of UC because number one, Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant are uh, in the NFL right now and they are not yep. playing <laughs> for us anymore. So I do think they're going to try, but Arquan Bush again is going to shut them down. I might just pick Arquan uh, the rest of the year because uh, I have a big I'm a big fan of. You'll Arquan hit Bush. eventually. <laughs> it, it's got to hit, you know. Yeah. Like the, uh, gambling, you know, it's, yeah. it's got to work. <laughs> um, I will go off the board with a round. I I know I said I like zeros and fives last week, but I am going to go with 214 rushing yards for our Bearcats. I'm going to go with 327 passing yards 
214 uh, rushing, 327 passing. And I think it's going to be a 35 to seven, like we cover and we don't run it up that high, but you know who the better team was, you know, who the more dom- dominant team was. So uh, I'm going to go 35 to seven Bearcats. All right, cool. I think those are some good picks. I'm going to say for our first touchdown in the game, it's going to go to. I think it's going to go to Tyler Scott. I think that's going to hit. He's been a very consistent receiver for us this year. Um, if it's anything like last year's game against Miami, it'll open with an 80 yard touchdown to Tyler Scott. Uh, so maybe that'll happen again. Probably not, but we'll look for it. Um, turnover. I'm going to go Ivan pace. Um, technically I think if you picked Ivan pace this week, I don't know how statistical boards are going to count that. I would count it if you picked him because he did start that, uh, turnover that ended up getting Jabari Taylor that scoop and score because he knocked the ball loose um, or at least got up in the face and caused that. So I'm going to go with Ivan this week, especially against Miami. Just got to get a dig in there. Of course, you're a Bearcat now. Got to leave it all out on the field. Um, As far as uh, passing yards are going to go, I'm going to say solid 310. I'm going to make it a nice clean number there. Yards rushing. We're going to go for... um, we're going to go for 255. It's going to be a high rushing day. I want to see the Bearcats finally really get that rushing game rolled out and just sort of sort of steamroll the Red Hawks this week. Um, make a nice crispy Red Hawk on the grill. I'd like to see that and <laughs> score. Um, I'm going to have to say we're going to put this at a clean. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I really like your 35 can't roll for 35 for the sake of that. So we're going to go 38, <laughs> 38 to a Miami 10 that they'll score in garbage time. Um, so that's going to be my prediction there. Um, all else said, I think that covers pretty much everything. Uh, it looks like the spread now is 22 uh, in favor of the Bearcats. So, uh, keep that in mind for your picks. Uh, currently, that would put the score line at uh, 36.7 to 12.8. Uh, so we'll see how that all turns out. But um, regardless, I think we've got everything else covered. Unless you got anything else, Steve, I think we're ready to go. No, uh, just shout out to all the Bearcat Nation. It's going to be down there this weekend. It's Oktoberfest this weekend in downtown Cincinnati as well. So um, we had a big crowd during the 2014 Oktoberfest game against Miami at Paul Brown stadium. So I'm expecting to see something like that. Maybe even if the, we get the upper bowl filled, so that'd be cool, yeah. but go Bearcats. Let's have fun this weekend. Sweet. Sounds good to me. You might see me down there this week. Not sure if I'm going to make the trip yet, but Ooh. it's going to be hard to miss Oktoberfest and a Bearcats game in the same weekend and also have them less than a mile apart from each other. So if you see me there, you see me there. If not, it's been great. Hopefully we get this beat down against Red Hawks. It's been great talking to you guys. We will see you next week. Our Zoom is checking out now. <laughs>